You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 207 of PhD Ugly, your weekly dose of three disgruntled employees, which is kind of a shame because two of the employees actually own the company, so yeah, that's weird. Hold on, I got, I got, I got music coming back. Uh, if you listen to the audio podcast, uh, you can join us. Pretty much every Thursday, uh, 9 p.m.-ish Pacific Coast time, we record live. You get to see some of our ramblings before and after and all the stuff that gets cut out of the audio podcast, but, you know, it could be beneficial. I don't know. It's up to you. Anyways, for episode 206, I'm your host, Eric. Seven. And with seven. Me, for episode 207, I'm your host, <laughs> Eric. And with me, as always, is John Congdon. Technically, you were the host of 206, too, so it's okay. You didn't lie. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> And Thomas Wright. Hello. I'm also the video manipulator guy. And that's what I, that's what I was trying to think of. Like, what, what is your role now? Like you're like the video producer or what is it? I, I don't know. What guy, you call I don't, that. I don't even know. Uh, I think technically it's producer. Yeah. He's going to give him that himself that title. It's going to be on the card next week. I, you know me. <laughs> I'm, I, I would, I would give myself the title of associate producer. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's that's Eric's title. I, I can support that. Oh, hey, the charges never stuck. You can't prove anything. Oh, how was wow. everybody's week? I'm back at work. Well, how's that going for you, Thomas? <clears throat> I tell you what, Monday was interesting. I had to ramp back up, and it essentially took me the day to get get my feet back in the water and remember my commands and all that stuff. Get everything because I had shut everything down, all my VMs and coding stuff and Slack and. So I was I was offline and getting back up online took me a good chunk of the first day. For the people who care, I am in my second full week of well no, probably my first full week, but about a week and a half of using my new Pop OS System 76 Linux machine. They are not a sponsor, by the way. Um, but uh and of course Last week, I podcasted from the machine after only having it for about a day and a half. And we, there were a couple issues, but we got it, got it going. And today, I went to dial into Skype, and apparently there was no audio. So I had to frantically move everything over back to my Mac <laughs> so that we can get the stream going. So uh, things might be interesting for editing this week. I don't know. We'll see. Well, you, you were asking about our weeks. So How was your week, Eric? With being on the new system oh uh yeah you know i mean vim comes installed right it has its pluses and minuses uh i i'm definitely getting more comfortable with it i i'm starting to to see where the shortcomings are going to be for me as far as my tool chain goes and there hasn't been anything i haven't been able to really switch out uh the big one that that i had to come to the realization that i won't be able to use was uh Table Plus. The Table Plus had really been my go-to database client on the Mac. Uh, I liked it because it had drivers for a lot of databases, even though 99.5% of my databases were MySQL. Um, it had some really nice filtering options in there. If you use SQL Pro, it's kind of like SQL Pro, but kind of a step up, like a, a little bit a little bit extra oof on it. Um I Table Plus does have a Linux version, but it's way, way, way scaled back. I mean, I, I, I think I even tried to. First thing, it only works with MySQL. I try to do, I think, an export, and it doesn't even support exports right now. Uh, the interface, the the UI is very, very, very clunky. So I had to go find myself another uh, database client, and uh, so I'm kind He's of using MySQL admin now. What? <laughs> Yeah, I thought about that after the conversation we had no. with Dave Stokes. Um, uh, oh, you were talking about you're talking about uh, PHP uh, admin. No. Oh yeah, PHP, PHP my admin. admin? Yeah. yeah, PHP my admin. Yeah, that's. I think that's what you're talking about. The poison yeah. pill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I did almost think about. Uh, well, I, I was actually going to go the route of uh, the MySQL client. Uh, 
because Dave, Dave Stokes, you know, mentioned it. And when I went to install it, Pop OS has a little app store. It's actually very nice for Linux. Um, I remember Ubuntu had an app store and it was, it was awful. The yeah. Pop OS app store is very, very smooth, very clean. So I typed it in there and it, it wasn't in their app store, but I did notice another name that I thought I remembered Dave Stokes mentioning. And so I, that's the one I'm giving a try right now. It's called, um, workbench. D, huh? Is it workbench? My no, SQL that's workbench? The, that's the, my, my, my SQL one. Uh, right. this one was, uh, DB, D Beaver. So it's DB Eber. <laughs> D Beaver. And, uh, I thought I remembered Dave talking about that one. So I went ahead and give, gave that one a try. And it's, Pretty full fledged. Um, what you call it? Uh, JetBrains also has Data Grip, which I've which used. I have. I haven't. You have used it. Yeah. How do you like? I, it? I mean, it's it's a database. It, tool. it is what it is. I, I don't understand the difference between Data Grip and the database uh, tools that are in like PHP Storm. They seem they seem like they're the same to me. Data Grip has a whole like schema mapping and you know database administrator functionality ah okay that would be the difference yeah okay. so you you can really dig into your database schemas and manage them and and manage your keys and indexes and the, i well know, just the just i assume you can manage like users as well user access i'm sure you can i haven't uh that's the big it, thing but, for me is um i can do the basic selects and things like that but yeah, when, I can. Yeah, I can add a new user here through the GUI. You can. Okay, mm-hmm. I can. I know there are command lines for it, but I don't know them off the top of my head. And I have users for each each application we have, and each environment has its own unique user and its own unique password. So I'm kind of a I'm kind of a stickler about that. And if I had to look up all those commands every time, I need even if I needed to change a password, it would drive me crazy. So that's one of the big things that I like the the GUIs for. I have to, uh, yeah, I might have to take another look at DB. I'm not sure if I might have to take another look at data grip. I'm not sure if the D beaver does it or not. I haven't, I, I haven't looked. I, I know a couple of people that use data grip and they like it, even yeah. though they're, I think they're on Mac and I've tried to, um, showing them SQL pro or SQL ACE it is what mm-hmm. it's called now. That'll be, that would be one tool I would miss if I made the switch. Although you're yeah. talking about the Docker, performance improvement that is one one thing that might drive me over to a linux machine purely so for to that. Be, be fair um well let me let me talk about the docker thing before i get into that yeah so john and i were talking on the php podcast this week with oscar as we're recording and i was sharing with john Tom, I don't know if you have any insight on this but the t- the docker performance on linux is just Butter smooth. Well, yeah, I mean, there is. It is so fast. That's because There's it has no... direct kernel access. It, it it overwrites the kernel. So the the it's very similar to how DirectX works on Windows with graphics card interactions, where the graphics card can write to the CPU and back and forth. It doesn't have to go through the OS. Mm-hmm. Docker is native to Linux, so it can request from the kernel a pipe to the CPU, and that pipe is permanently circumventing the Linux kernel. So system functionality is not tied to the Linux kernel at all. It's tied to the CPU. So I've actually had Docker boxes continue running when my desktop crashed because it's still accessing the CPU the way it wants to. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And Windows is supposed to get that. That's part of the feature set that Windows is pushing with Docker for Windows is that it's going to have that same functionality. Um, But BSD, I don't believe, has that integration level with the kernel being OS yeah X. you you have you have to you have to run another application to even run docker yeah so um is that part of the whistle thing with with windows or you you said it was it was part of the windows docker piece but is that part of the whole uh linux subsystem on windows as well or I'm not sure how related they are but I believe they get updated at the same time mm-hmm. um you know now that I think about it yeah, Docker is running through WSL, so they're they're tied in in some way. Okay, uh, but I'm not sure if it's just a project relationship issue or if it's actually the software is the same. Yeah. So, so the Docker experience, John, I, I just can't rave about it enough. It's just flawless. It's so fast. Um, 
Now, I will say, before I start to break too much about the, the issues I'm coming up against with the desktop, I want to be clear, still to this date, one of my most hated desktop was the trash can Mac, which we did not skimp on what we put in that Mac. That was like a high-end Mac when we got it, and it was hands down one of my worst desktops I've ever had. Um, Wasn't that OS9? Was no, it was OS X. It was only and like it, 2015 or 16 that we got that. No, mm-hmm. It wasn't. That oh, that's old. right. That's right. And, and it had been it had been out a long time before that. It's not even like it was. I mean, it was the desktop that they had, but it wasn't bleeding edge. You didn't just come out with it. Um, I, I know. I mean, John, I I think you kind of feel the same way. You didn't care for yeah, it, right? Exactly. Yeah, apps were always crashing. It was it was slow. It was clunky. Um, so. I've I've never really been a fan of desktop, and for a while I said I wasn't going to do a desktop again. And then Thomas, you kind of convinced me otherwise. But with that said, with the System seventy six machine, there are things that that are that are irritating me. The big the biggest thing that irritates me right now is when I do a so I I enabled encryption on my DIP because that's what I do. I I do it on all my Macs. It was an option for the System76 machine. I did it on my System76. Every time I reboot, before I even get to the UI, it's still in this little bio state. Um, well, first off, the reboot itself is very slow. Compared to a Mac laptop, I, the, the trash can was kind of a slow reboot as well. The Mac laptop, it, it's, the reboots are incredible. I mean, they're so fast. It, it, it's, I, I haven't seen anything that can good so desktops understand are slow in general but before i even get to the ui and i'm still in like this bio screen phase i have to input my password to decrypt the disk that's a good and thing like, <laughs> yeah yeah i know it's that whole security convenience thing but it's like <laughs> i really want my desktop up can you just get my desktop up please <laughs> uh because i don't have to do that on my mac i don't have to put in my my password to decrypt my disk on my mac so that's kind of annoying. Um, yeah, and this there's there's the little things. Is it an SSD system? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you just need to enable quick rebooting. Oh, is that is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I do. I don't know. And, and these are the things I'm learning. Like I, I'm I'm kind of going through and making these little tweaks here and there, making it more fit my needs. I got my Vim dialed in. Oh my god! I got my Command and Conquer working and. That that gives it the whole IntelliSense in them, and holy smokes, am I happy! I'm not using it full time yet, but I'm I'm very close to it. <laughs> I'm uh, I, I'm using it for other things. It, it is still I haven't tested it yet, but I don't I I don't think it still does that. Oh hey, you use this old syntax. Here's the new syntax sort of thing that PHP Storm does. And that's one of the things I lean on heavy for PHP. Well, all the JetBrains stuff. I'll get to that in a second. But um, but I'm getting to the point with with PHP where I'm like, I shouldn't need that so much anymore. I should be getting better at it. So yeah, nah. feel good. That that's a load of crock there. Okay. That's to me. That's all about. Uh, like being able to do research. You don't memorize things. You you're able to research them. The fact that that's fair. the fact that you have that tool set available to you. You know, you've been coding for a long time. Things change. So the fact that your toolkit is able to tell you, hey, did you know this is deprecated? Or hey, did you know there's a a better way to possibly do this? You, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're you're able to learn from other people that you know put those kind of new best practices out there via something like PHP Storm, where you may not have sound too too corny about it, but it, it, it is almost like you're pair programming with your IDE. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. But I, I've learned quite a bit of, of things, especially when it comes to JSON encode and decode. I always lean on the IDE to fill in the other parameters that I never think about, such as the the depth to go on, I think, decoding, uh, telling it to throw errors instead of just returning you an empty string, where if mm-hmm. I was doing it by hand via Vim... I'm going to miss those things. So I love the I love when my IDE shows me the squiggly line for the most part. There are, there's a ton of times where it doesn't. It's like just stop. That's not something I want you to warn me about. Well, but you can Especially, turn off you can turn off that that level of warning. I've No, but I don't want to. Where where it does it 
when I don't want it is in PHP unit with mocks and I use mocks a ton. And unfortunately the ID isn't smart enough to, to know that this, it kind of knows that this is both a, a object of mine and it's a prophecy object, but it's still, once you get past the, you, you set up a mock to a method once you get past that, it doesn't know that it's a mock method. So everything after that is a squiggly line. I feel like there's supposed to be a plugin for that or something that, that PHP Storm could catch. For the most part, it is pretty good and does a lot lot of good with PHP unit. But that's one thing that's been bugging me. Because over the past week, I've been doing a crap ton of unit testing. That's well, something that jumps out. I'm extraordinarily thankful for my IDE because my task yesterday was to upgrade our system to Laravel 8. And you mean Laravel 8.6 now, right? Didn't aren't we already oh, at 8.6? You wish that was this morning. <laughs> are we are we up again? Are we have we bumped one more time? Uh oh boy, let me look. We are now at eight oh we are at eight point six point zero. That's nice. There you a go. Full day of stability. It's been, out, it's been out for what a week, a week and a half, two weeks, maybe? Yeah. Weeks? Yeah. yeah. That was quick. That was a quick point six release. Um, yeah, um, it, it's been a rough upgrade. Real, real rough. From uh, where are you upgrading from? Seven, latest. Seven what? Whatever the latest of seven was is like seven twenty four or something. Really? So, oh, this is surprising to hear. It's been a rough upgrade from that. So the way we had our factories defined. Well, factories is a big change. That that's the one big change, right? No. It's, I, it, this is not the fault of Laravel, but the factories issue, um, uh, the, what's the, the, the code updater thing? Shift. shift. Yeah. Oh. Laravel shift, uh, just mangled our, our factory file. Uh, cause we only had one file and we had a definition, you know, hundred definitions in it. And it tried to make one object out of that one file and, <laughs> It failed miserably, extraordinarily poorly. And even though it failed, it still updated all the usages of factory to the new style. So I had to spend, I think, three hours undoing those changes and then installing the legacy factory support and just saying, I'm going to deal with this another day because it's too different for us to deal with right now. Um, But then on top of that, we use Spatty's media library plugin and that had a major revision change as well to support eight and the entire syntax and most of the namespacing changed. So everywhere that we were using that I had to fix and it was a giant mess. That's off. Okay. The media, I I guess the media would be a big one for for you. Yeah, Uh, And then I would say that I would say five or six projects that hadn't upgraded to eight after the week mm-hmm. so they didn't support it i went in and cloned those and just said you now support eight nine ten and eleven mm-hmm. so i'm not gonna have to worry about that next version I'm not sure that's uh, how that works <laughs> you might have to worry about it if you know something you don't actually change yeah. it, but <laughs> so got two days two days into it got seating working thought everything was fine opened up the page and it said uh elixir is not defined mm-hmm. laravel elixir support has been completely removed after it's deprecation in seven. What and is so Elixir? Elixir is the Laravel five oh, yeah. version right. of CSS handling. Well, not the builder, right? The, yeah. The asset builder, JavaScript builder, all that. Yes. This and is when was, they were using it, Gulp. It was deprecated, but you knew. Yeah. Well, I have a ticket that convert that converted everything into Webpack and it's just sitting and waiting for approval. So now that ticket has to get approved before I can move on to Laravel eight. So I've got a ticket blocked by a pending ticket and it's just, it's been progress. It's been slow progress. It's one of those things yeah. where it's like banging your head against a wall because there's just so many but errors. It's, it, it, it's also the first project you migrated. I I think this is always the case with migrations, right? You, you've, you've, you know, migrations, new desktops, you find the little caveats. And then once you get them ironed out, you look back and say, like, ah, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. I just needed to figure now, out what was wrong. You guys use, mix right because you you mm-hmm. do npm run dev mm-hmm. have you ever had just incredible headache problems from that oh yeah yeah less less now with mix than we were with gulp uh gulp gulp i, I was always running into issues um 
but mix it. I, I run the issues. Of, now I'm not a JavaScript person, so I don't. I there's I'm very limited into what I can fix and what I can't fix. A lot of times, my fix is blowing away the node modules, doing a new npm install, and see if everything works after that. Yep, um, that's but, typical. Yeah, but as far as uh, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of problems with it. To be honest with you. Um, it's gotten way better, way, way better for me. Well, I can tell you, on my system, the the default package.json that ships with the framework just does not run. Oh, it, it, there's something clearly wrong there, yeah. It throws a ton of errors. Are that, you on the wrong version of NPM? Like, are you no, using an old version? No. There's, there's a bunch of dependencies that I have to include that I don't know why I have to include them or why they're not in the default, but it will throw... You know, just a billion different kinds of errors. I mean, I spent hours on that as well, trying to get that working that, again. That's something that if, if you if you ping me on, I'll jump on with you and look at it. It really sounds like a, a configuration issue there or something. If it's that basic, I cannot cannot read property options of undefined. That's one of my errors. That's on the base package that JSON or after your modifications or for your specific application? That's for my applications. So that's what I think it. Oh, I, okay. Uh, chunk sort modules is not a function. I, it's just a massive headache. And it's and not like my web tried, pack. You've tried blowing away node modules and doing a fresh NPM install? Oh, I probably did that a hundred times today. Well, try one more. <laughs> One usually you know rounds it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll jump on the call with you tomorrow, Thomas. On it, and I've got if it. You want? I believe I've got it working now. But you don't know why? Correct. <laughs> I hate when that happens. It works. I just don't know why it works. Yeah. So yeah, big uh, big thumbs up for Laravel eight. Don't know why uh, changing everything was necessary. <laughs> I don't think they changed everything. I think they changed very well. First thing the. The mix thing has been there for for years now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's that's I know. I've yeah. The the only thing they've changed was factories. Everybody's excited about the new factories. Um, there is a legacy package in there, which I was going to ask. Did you try? Did you try pulling in the legacy package to see if that? That is yeah. That's what I'm running now. My my issue uh, was twofold. Was that was that uh, shift had misinterpreted my factories as they were so i had to go into the commit log and revert that um Mm -hmm. and then uh another weird issue i don't know if this is a thing that i just never heard of before but uh leading slashes on namespaces i found a bunch of code that was referencing my app models directory that didn't have a leading slash on the namespace Mm -hmm. and because i had to upgrade to 7.4 7.4 with this upgrade uh for some reason it just didn't want to read that anymore it had to have the, the leading slash i have that issue uh I, i've run into that issue not so much when and i can't explain to you why but not so much when i have it as the use statement at the top of the file but like yes. if i'm newing up newing up a model and i don't have the leading slash that's mm-hmm. where i run into it mm-hmm. well but you again, have I, to you have to if you're in a namespace but uh, so from there. what i've read you didn't have to, but it was wrong. Oh, I didn't know there was that that bug was out there. Yeah, if you're in a so, namespace, well, you, you have someone, to have the pre- someone have in my it. company, I haven't tried to find out who yet, got in the habit of not having leading slashes, and the IDE didn't correct. Right. So I have that's true too. I have potentially thousands of references to models where it doesn't have a leading slash, and I have to find them all. It corrects. It corrects you now, by the way. Just FYI. Yeah. Well, this is all in my cedars, which is ancient data. Yeah. Stuff that hasn't been touched in three years, except for by shift. Mm. So. Yeah, I can see why, why that can be. But again. It was one of those bad practices that somebody just fixed. And it's like, oh, hey, you broke my code. It's like, no, your code was always broken. We just fixed. We fixed <laughs> we, not showing we you. We fixed the bug. <laughs> we, we, we fixed the, the feature. It's not a bug. It's a feature. <laughs> yeah. I think I have a good enough way of, of searching for instances of this in my code. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll I'd probably. Actually be, I'm, actually, I'm actually shocked that PHP didn't make that a deprecated issue first where it would show up in your deprecation logs do you have deprecation what's a, logs what's a deprecation on? log we your deprecation your error no log, i don't your error <laughs> logging should be logging I deprecations i don't think i am yeah i mean yeah it might have been marked as a deprecation but it just hit me in this in this one migration i mean that's that's always a good practice when you're getting ready to do an upgrade is to take a 
peek at your your logs and see what's in there screaming hey i'm about to be deprecated <laughs> so you know it's not going to work when you do the upgrade well but i'm so used yeah. to node saying everything is deprecated and that's true <laughs> that, too right? i do it's a problem i'll do a node install and it says uh it says warning. This stop, will this stop will using this package. Yeah, it's going away. It's like, this will break in fourteen plus. Uh, yeah. This is deprecated. <laughs> Replace it. Follow the guidelines here. Uh, this will break in fourteen plus. Uh, <laughs> please see yeah. deprecation guide. Deprecation guide. I just, that's, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. I, I get that. Skipping optional dependency. Unsupported platform. <laughs> that's that's Node. PHP, I, I believe, has been pretty good about deprecating things before they actually rip them out of the language mm-hmm. especially What's since going one? from four to five i think they made a huge effort at that point to have better logging so, so to so to circle back around on the vim stuff by the way um i, I mentioned that the command and conquer plugin leverages uh, leverages the uh, intellisense and it's the, I, I might be wrong on this but it, i think it's the exact same intelligence that visual studio code is using vs code is using as well and so you mentioned john you like the id like telling you what needs the the additional parameters and stuff like on based on decode hmm. that them does that now with this command and conquer plugin you, you bring up something and it tells you and it works on your code as well like if, if you format your code correctly with comments it'll tell you all the uh, parameters that you can pass to it and then gives you the information about it underneath of it. Pretty slick. I don't remember ever having that before. I'm like, whoa, what is all this information? And it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I remember when when I was using Vim trying to get the autocomplete stuff to work. That was such a pain in the ass. You had to run totally. something in a cron to build your uh, the tags. The yeah. The C tags. Yeah, yeah. So Command and Conquer takes care of all that for you. Hmm. Um, it's Pretty, pretty, pretty quick. And I don't, I don't, I know it runs on Vim and NeoVim. Now, NeoVim uh, has, I think, I don't know, I've lost track of what's what, but you know, one can can do uh, synchronous communication, and I, I don't know if the other one does. NeoVim Vim is a big one. Like, it'll do, you know, synchronous communication and all this other fancy, fancy stuff. Uh, that's what I'm using now. I've moved on to that because there's a lot of, plug-in activity happening in, in that area because uh, it built, you can write uh, plugins using Lua. And so it's becoming this big thing where people are porting their Vim plugins to Lua because it's faster. Like the syntax is, is very, uh, is much smoother. Um, so yeah, that's not kind of cool. But I did do something fun this week. I oh, actually wrote a useful Python script scripts. I've actually wrote two useful Python scripts that even stores stores data. At first, I had a storing to a MySQL database, which I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, how how do I get Python to talk to MySQL and vice versa? Then I realized, you know, I don't really need it to store in the database. I actually want the data in the repo if I can do that. So I did SQLite and I just refactored all the stuff today, and it still works. It's for you'll appreciate this, Thomas and John. This will probably ring familiar to you, but it's for our stand-up Alice Slack. So oh, every God. Week, <laughs> every week I go through the stand-up Alice responses and to get an understanding of what everybody's working on, what blockers people have, what their focus is, and what they've completed. And I, t- I take all that data and I put it in uh, a file, and then we do our weekly stand-up with the team. And We'll just go through everything and say, hey, you know, I, I noticed you had this blocker marked. I saw you got this done. How did this go? Blah, blah, blah. And Stand-Up Alice is very limited on how it presents this data. I've actually looked at replacing Stand-Up Alice because of this. And I've looked at a lot of different automation flows. But you can export everything. There's no API access to it that I'm aware of. I look, I haven't found because that would have been the way I would prefer to go. You can export the data to a CSV file in it's kind of just clunky the way it's laid out. Like, I can't export. We, we have a different stand-up Alice on Mondays that just says, okay, what's your focus this week? Do you but, have any blockers? Before you go too much further, for anyone listening, stand-up Alice is a Slack plugin where everyone can, on a daily basis, can say, okay, I'm working on this today. 
we have it set up where on Mondays it says, what are you going to work on this coming week? And then every other day it's, what did you work on yesterday? Basically, mm-hmm. just to give us an idea of what people are currently in the middle of working on. It pings everybody in the morning saying, hey, it's time to submit your stand up. This prevents us all from having to get on the phone and and listen to what people are saying for five minutes. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I've been I've been downloading the CSVs and I do copy and paste and all this other funkiness. And uh, so so I've been trying to automate that for a while. And I just I've been wanting to, to kind of brush up on my Python. I'm like, you know what? I bet you I can write a Python script that does this. And I did. I wrote it. It, it parses the CS, CSV file. So I still have to download that. I'm gonna I'm gonna build on this. But it parses the CSV file and throws it in the SQLite database. Then it I run a report against that SQLite database that grabs everybody, all, all the developers who submitted, and I can put in the date range. Um, it grabs all the developers who submitted and all their responses to the question. So as John mentioned, the question, you know, what did you work on yesterday gets asked four times. And in the spreadsheet, each time it's asked, it's a new line in the spreadsheet. But of course, you know, my code doesn't do that. It says, okay, for this, for this question, Here's how they responded, and it just throws it all out for me. And then I even stepped it up a notch, and I had it write it. I, I pulled in a package, a little PIP, or yeah, a PIP package, and did an import for Markdown. So it, it runs everything in Markdown. The whole Python script is in a little Python VM. So even if you don't have the right version of Python, you can if you pull in the repo, you source the, the repo, and you have the Python and all the packages right there in the little package. So it's pretty is, slick, so man. Is, so is this an open source project on Diego Labs? No, it seemed pretty niche, right? Because <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's I know, I know, I know another company using Stand Up Alice. Shut up. <laughs> okay, I know two. I know two other companies using Stand Up Alice. Uh. Well, maybe I could. Maybe I can. Maybe I can refactor that. That might be a good idea. So I'm very excited about next week using it to for my meetings because it takes me about a half hour, 45 minutes to put the report together and review it. Now it's going to take me like 15 seconds to put the report together and I can act, and the data is, is going to be in a format where it's going to be very easy for me to review. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I, and Python was fun again. It was fun to get back into Python. So that's where I was going to go with... I'm, I was actually very dependent on uh, JetBrain's PyCharm when I wrote that because I'm like I can just do all this in Vim. I wasn't going to do it in PHP Store. I'm like I'm like I'll just do it in Vim. I'm like oh you know what I should probably use PyCharm because it's going to give me those those hints. It's going to let me know where I'm screwing up. I'm sure I just <laughs> hacked it together like something horrible, but it worked. I'm happy. It's fragile, awesome. but it works. <laughs> I, I I know another project that we've done about or that does web scraping, so we can easily automate grabbing the CSV file if it's not already oh. easy. I'm a CSV gra- file grabbing mofo, man. I can do that. I can parse it, put it all in Markdown. <laughs> all right. You, you want a you want a fun non tech story? Absolutely. Yes. I got scammed. No. Did you really? <laughs> I got scammed. I I did. No. Got got scammed pretty hard. Oh no. I, not okay. It's not as bad as I'm making it sound, but that's one one thing I've always been proud of myself on. You know, I understand scams i don't really fall for them so it's either i'm getting old and senile to trusting i don't know but i see an ad on facebook for a stand-up paddleboard oh, and that's... it's and i'm like wow that's a great deal i don't buy it right away i move on i'm doing my other things i see an ad for a different site a little more expensive but not by much but also has uh, different packages like one had the oars, one didn't. So I'm like, maybe it's legit. Maybe they are. Maybe it isn't like end of season sale, like they're saying. So I'm like, it's seventy bucks. What can it hurt? Let me try it. And I purchased it. And then I get the email. the The charge is going to be from Acme Sugar or some weird name. Mm-hmm. I, I should find out what that was. I didn't think much about it at that moment in time. It seemed weird, but I was going out with the family or something. I come back later. I'm like, something still doesn't seem right. Let me go to the manufacturer's website and sure shit right on there. Contact us. We've been receiving reports of people, you know, being scammed this way. I'm like, crap. Immediately yeah. called my credit card company, you know, reported it. And it it was the same day. So they reversed the charge. No big deal. 
but was the charge still only 70 bucks or did it? Yeah, it was still only $70, but it was, Oh, okay. It was the fact that I fell for it, that I took the fact that there were three or four different ads that I saw for different companies that Mm -hmm. made it more legitimate to me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't Mm -hmm. research it past that at that moment in time. So the, the whole crutch of the scam is you're just going to give them $70 and they're not going to send you anything. I, that, that I don't know. I, that's, I, that's my assumption because the email I got was, you know, please be patient type of email. Like you're going to get your stuff. It might take a little longer. You it know, sounds we're, like, we're it sounds like busy. it's not really a scam. It's a drop shipping site. I, I don't know. So do you know what drop shipping is? Yeah. Yeah. I've done it plenty in previous gigs. Why don't you explain it to our listeners though? Um, basically you order something off of an American based website or trustworthy source and all they do is go onto AliExpress and buy it for you and ship it to you from China. Um, so you think you think I would have gotten it, but it would have been it would have been a, a knockoff, off. and it would have been like two or three months later, and you'd Maybe have no let it go, and you have no way of opening a dispute. Um, I have a trick for those things, though. Those those maybe not trustworthy sites. Uh, what is that? Basically, if if the site is not branded for the one thing that you're buying, then it's a scam. No, it was all for it. They made the site specifically for these products. It, so it did looked you, very. Did you click on all products? Like view all products. I don't remember if I did or not. So a lot of these yeah. are Shopify pumped out Shopify sites, and they'll have the page designed for the one product. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the domain, it's just Hot Deals Express or whatever. No, that. This was for the company. What I didn't pay attention to was it was .sale instead of .com. Oh. <laughs> well, because Shopify takes some some work to configure properly, if you look for an all products button, they'll often send you to a generic page that lists all products in the database, mm. and it'll just be random garbage. <laughs> well, what's even weirder is yesterday or the day before I got a package addressed to me, had my phone number on the outside from China and I, I opened it up and it was a pair of Ray-Bans and I'm like, did they just send me a product to hope or because I have no clue where these things came from. I didn't order any sunglasses. I actually thought when I opened it and I saw them like, oh crap, did my wife buy me a birthday gift that I'm not supposed to know about, so I immediately closed it back up and I just put it in our mail slot. Happy and then, early birthday, by the way. Thank you. And she was like, she opened them and just put them on the table outside my office. I'm like, did you buy some new sunglasses? She said, no, they were just to you. I'm like, I didn't buy them. Still no clue where you, they came from. You heard about the people getting random packages of seeds from China, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. But no, that's, that's the first time I heard sunglasses. Was there an invoice in there? Like, no, there was nothing. Oh, by nothing. the way, you owe us $350? I was looking all over it. Other than the fact that it had my name, address, and phone number, there was no other information. And ja- Jackie, my wife, was, there's a phone number on the box. I'm like, I'm not calling China to find out why they sent me <laughs> sunglasses. <laughs> I can give you my what I've heard, which is that this is a review faking scam where they will yeah they will have accounts buy random stuff and send it to random addresses and write a super positive review and then just send something they have in the shop to you so are they real are they real ray-bans you think i don't know from china no no there's actually already a scratch in the like very corner of the lens so uh, well you're talking about receiving weird things in the mail We've got people receiving weird things in the mail. We got our first tweet today that some of our swag made it to Canada. Nice. Sherry, Sherry Wheeler. 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 Sherry Wheeler. For, I forgive have the I am horrible with names. Uh, <laughs> uh, they posted uh, that they, they got their package. They were very happy with it. So, uh, Buttery, you're you 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 even put a sticker on the envelopes. How nice. I did. It was very nice. Now people have our have our address too because you posted our address. Now, now <laughs> see, now the whole why do we need a PO, PO box, Eric? That's so stupid. Not so stupid now, uh, is it? I never said it was stupid. 
I just said I'm not going to go to the go to the post office and check it. We we literally have only gotten one thing of mail in there in the year and a half we've we've had that PO box. Matter of fact, if you want to do something cool for us, send us something to our PO box. Just send us like a postcard or something. That would be it would be fun to actually have something to go pick up. Yes, how could that go wrong? <laughs> Send Still us, send us your fine, yeah. Send us your finest powders. Oh, don't, don't. Why, why? This is this is what's going to have us get banned. Mm, no, no big deal. Man. We can be banned. I could use a night off every week. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> talking about. Yeah, we didn't our, get banned. Our, we got reprieved. Our uh, podcast recording with Oscar this week. We were talking about podcasting, and if you're listening to us, I will plead to you because I should have a tweet out before I actually publish this. Although I've been turning these publications around pretty quickly, so maybe not. But if you're in our Discord channel, you know that Oscar asked me to for next month's community corner not next month but the following month write up a article about the podcasts that are out there you know pp podcast developer sort of podcast things that people listen to and i post that in uh our discord as well so if you're look for that tweet and give us a reply i will get that uh out of the article i'm not going to put them all in there but Look for the popular ones and and add those to the article as well. Uh, But where I was going with that is we were talking about the impact of podcasting. And if it, you know, we weren't getting real deep into it, but the point that I made at the time is, yeah, I guess this podcast, the PHP podcast that we're doing is different than what we do with PHP Ugly because this has a marketing aspect of it. I mean, you're trying to get people interested in, in a product and I mean you're you're doing things kind of serving the community as well, but there's a there's a thing about it. So I understand what Oscar was saying that he he wants to make sure people are, are liking the podcast, they're finding it beneficial, they that he's getting good feedback about it, and I can appreciate that appreciate that. But I told him I'm like for PHP Ugly, I stopped caring a very long time ago. <laughs> like, it's just john tom and it's i not, get together talking now I don't, it's not that I don't we know. don't care it's that we i don't i don't know how you put it it's more for us at this point i'm just sorry have, have you seen our new production values take a look at this transition to our beautiful patreon page lay it on them look at that oh, that was so gorgeous pretty. that was so pretty give him a, hit him with a no transition tom Hit him with a new transition. Give him the stinger. You got, oh, you got the stingers? I'll do this. Oh. 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 Good stuff. See, this is why you want to watch us record live. You you audio guys, you're just missing out on all this. So, this is the like, the oh, engineering the way, behind this is just spectacular. We are on um, Amazon launched their podcasting section. And, of course, I have to see if we're on there. And I'm like... Hey, cool! We're on here. <laughs> I don't know if it's something I did. <laughs> I or I, I, I loved your your negative tweet of, "Hey, you've been ignoring us everywhere else. You can ignore us here now too." <laughs> <laughs> As I said, I stopped caring. <laughs> we we are we are very good at the self deprecation, aren't we? <laughs> but it was so, it, it actually has a pretty cool looking page. The the Amazon podcasts, yeah, for PHP Ugly, it looked neat. Hmm. I'm like, hey, I, I didn't do any of this. I don't know where they got this stuff from, but it's cool. Well, thank you, Amazon. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look this up. Did did uh, including us drop their stock a whole bunch? <laughs> it, it's probably here. I'll I'll throw the tweet in in uh, Trello for you. So let me find it real fast. All right, while you're doing that. I was looking at Argus for people that don't know Argus.to service Eric and I are, are working on. It's more of something we needed for ourselves. We're opening it up to people that want to use it. It's really meant as a third party way to monitor your cron jobs, making sure that tasks or scripts you want scheduled fire on time. You're not relying on your own systems. So it's basically we monitor it. We find out you ping us when you're starting your, your script and things are good. If it doesn't fire within a certain amount of time, we'll let you know so you can react. So it's more of a, a way to get you to react to things that might be issues. Hopefully not. But anyway, it's a service we're, we're working on. I was looking at that. It, oh, my God. The number of UIDs that are in there were driving me crazy. There's a lot of them. There was one table in there I wanted to write to you about that. I'm like, why? Just why? Why, why, why? Anyway, so then I started to write to you. 
we really need to change all these Varchar 32s or whatever they are. They, mm-hmm. We have to stop doing that. It's horrible for performance. They need to be binary 16. Yeah. You but before, issue, before I started writing that to you, I'm like, let me go research that real quick. And the article I find about it, yeah, they're a little better per- for performance, but UIDs in general are notoriously bad. Okay, so so let's unpack that a little bit. Sure. Um, so I think we can all agree that the, uh, the expectation that UIDs are not going to be as performance as a integer is a given. I don't think, right. I don't think mm-hmm. that's anybody's surprise. Um, I'm interested in what you said, though, as far as the Varchar is in the binary isn't... Did you say it isn't that big of a difference? It's not that big of a difference in the performance of your data. Well, yeah. That's very interesting. Varchar is, yeah, yeah. Varchar is just a, a longer allowable in a no, varchar no yeah it's just it, it everything breaks down to ints when you get into indexing it's it's more of the space that it takes so the fact that it's your primary key and then for every every secondary key you have on your table you're duplicating that primary key so your index could blow up very quickly depending on the indexes that you have. Sure, like mm-hmm. bigger, but not slower. No, I mean... Well, wouldn't it be slower by nature if they're bigger? It Well, it's it's no. bigger. It's going to be slower based on your RAM. So if you have a crap ton of records, you can only mm-hmm. store so much of that index in RAM before mm-hmm. it has to access disk. Once it starts hitting the disk, it's going to slow down. So that, that, that gets to the point, this is my justification for... UIDs. As we all know, I'm a huge fan of UIDs. I love them. And I, I have leveraged them many a time. I have moved things from a relational database to a document store and everything has kept the same ID. And it's been a fantastic it's been a fantastic experience. For, for performance, my whole kind of justification uh, for that is that performance is always getting better. Hardware is always getting better. The codes are always getting better. I'm not, when my UIDs become a performance impact to my application, I'm going to be in a position where that's going to be a good problem to have. Nah, I, I, I do agree with that. I'll be happy to address it when it happens. Um, I just the, don't think, I think the benefits well, well outweigh the risk for, from my perspective. For, for Yes, I agree. My gripe was more about on an internal table, we have a types table where all the types have a UUID. Like external yeah, re- see, that, external that resources. Yes, you want you don't want auto incrementing, but for for the type of hit we call it, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there. I'm looking through this other table that's referencing the types, and I'm like, oh my gosh! I just I ended up writing a query to do the join, so I knew what type it was. <laughs> Versus, if it was a one, two, or three, I could I could have managed to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Preferably, it would have been just an enum where I could read it yeah. but yeah so that sent me down this rabbit hole of looking into performance of uuids and so I, I'm, I'm I agree if it was a if it was a performance issue we would have uh, we would be in a good spot yeah i'm happy you did this research because that, that's something that's been bothering me for a very long time because when you when you run a migration in laravel if you want to use the, the the built-in stuff and you say okay create this table this column's a uuid the varchar is what it does. I'm like, oh shit! So now we gotta think about how we're going to do that. And this has been something that's been eating away in the back of my mind from that other project we worked on, the much bigger project that we worked on mm-hmm. uh, a while ago. And thinking about, okay, at some point I have to address this. And I just don't know how I'm going to address it. So maybe, I, maybe it's not something I need to worry about so much. Uh, well, I, mean, I thought, I thought you, there would be a much bigger difference. Yeah, you, know, you start looking at the um, some of the graphs. You can you can definitely see that the binary is more performant, longer, but they all degrade pretty quickly. Yeah. With the so with the binary, have- you're going to be able to store it into you're going to be able to store more of your index in memory. That's basically all it boils down to before you have issues. Yeah. In the one more thing on the article that will be in the show notes, I did learn a crap ton about UUIDs to begin with. That was a mm-hmm. fascinating read. And then a ton about MySQL indexes, at least INNODB indexes. So this was it's all a good read. This Percona, this Percona article? 
Yep. Th- those yeah. guys are so dynamite, man. I swear to God, they're, they're my favorite database people out there. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yes. So okay, read so that. We have somebody, I assume, randomly watching us by the, by the way they stated their question. I don't know if you guys... <laughs> question like we've addressed in the past. Um, they asked, why does PHP have such a bad rep? Honestly, if you're listening to this show, we're typically... Like, the people listening are pretty deep into PHP. Um, not a very... We're not a very beginner-friendly show. <laughs> so, but I don't know. Do you, do you guys want to tackle this one? Well, I'll take up the first stab at it because of no i can ramble about it yeah because of the early days of php where it was horrible and it's matured a shit ton in the past 15 20 years uh especially the past what 10 7 to 10 since php 7 yeah well so, I th- early days a lot of a lot of the bad bad reputation back in the day was well deserved uh i i i won't debate that honestly though the languages that were available at the time weren't much better. Uh, some, you know, some had a leg up in one one spot over PHP than a, than another. But to John's point, anybody who says that today, anybody who who quotes any of these bad metrics today, they probably haven't touched PHP in recent years because it's a com- no, it's not a completely different language. It's a much mm. more structured language now. You're, they're also looking at it's very beginner friendly as a language. And Recall if you're following any sort of beginner tutorials, they teach you the worst practices. I mean, they, they teach well, let's, you. Let's be fair, right. John. It's not just the beginner tutorials. You and I helped that, that college course yeah. years ago. And the, the, the methods they were teaching in that college course, we were like, no, 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 don't do this. This is. We this is a long established bad practice. Don't do it this way. Right. Yeah. So even taking classes in school, they're teaching bad practices. They teach you how to get up and running really quickly and how to do the very basics basic of programming. But for the most part, it's really bad practices. It's hitting it, it, the database tandem. directly with with the very bad queries. Post requests. <laughs> Sequence okay. You guys, yeah. you guys are miss, you guys are missing the reputation part of it all. So this all goes back to an article um, called uh, "PHP: A Fractal of Bad Design." Yes, I, I do recall that. Uh, this was an article written by uh, oh boy, it was on Fuzzy Notepad. It's I don't I don't even remember the author at this point. Someone was highly respected. What's it? No, I don't want to say names. I don't want to accuse people. I, I think I knew who, who it was. So, so th- this was written in in 2012, uh, basically in the early era of PHP five, um, and it pointed out a lot of bad issues that existed in PHP. Uh, a lot of that stuff being register globals, um, direct database access, not having proper uh, abstraction for database variables, uh, poor naming schema for internal functions, uh, inconsistencies with mm-hmm. with all sorts of stuff in the in the language. And and it had a lot of incredibly valid points. Um, the issue is that this article basically created the PHP is stupid and people who are using it are stupid thing, and it doesn't acknowledge that everything that it says has been addressed at this point. I was about to say, it also almost created the roadmap for the internal team to say, okay, we need to fix this stuff. Right. And they just started knocking these things out left and right. Um, I, I do want to expand a little bit more on a a point that John made is the approachability of PHP. Um, PHP is very easy to get up and running, very easy to write code in. You don't need to have a data science degree. PHP is installed on just about every system out there. Uh, there's no nothing special really to get it up and running. It's not very difficult to get it, PHP itself running. Like with Rails, it can be tricky. Python... As I mentioned earlier, I, I'm using a virtual environment. That doesn't always just work out of the box. PHP was pretty damn good at working out of the box. As a result, a lot of people who weren't good, who were very immature with their coding, wrote a lot of code. And a lot of people started using that code. And it just created this era of 
PHP developers in general are bad developers because they're not disciplined developers. They're not people who actually had to learn development patterns and development things. They just started writing things in a in a notepad and got web pages to do what they wanted to do. And people people who just did WordPress would call themselves PHP developers as well. I, I was I was gonna I was gonna say even internally within the PHP community we have fraction. <laughs> that get criticized within PHP. Yeah, yeah. WordPress being one of them. Yeah, uh, we don't we don't need outsiders to shit on us. We do it fine ourselves. <laughs> so is this where the double claw hammer came from? That was yes. that was Phil, right? Uh so that was his response was screw yeah. you, I want a double claw hammer. <laughs> so uh so yeah, it's it's not all undeserved, it but it is all ancient history at this point and it's a new world i mean what it is today was not what it was yesterday even within the lifespan of what i've developed in john thomas it's it's really come a long ways yeah and and the question the follow-up question from uh youtube i'm sorry periscope is is what is the main benefit of learning php and not js or python and the reality is no benefit either way no benefit whatever whatever worked for you you know what you get coding you see what fits uh you all of us all three of us know other languages we just make a living in php because it's what fits for us best. And do you want to build a website or do you want to process large data sets in a CSV file? You know, right. it's, if you're going to do math stuff, then MATLAB is your thing. Or if you're going to do data management, Python is good with data. Uh, if you're going to do statistics, you're going to use R. You know? yeah, yeah. If you're going to do so- socket based communication, then Node.js is your way to go. But just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. And, and, and and want to learn more of it, whatever platform it is. Yeah, I mean, and people don't are try to, to learn it all at once. Yeah. People aren't going to come at, come at you and go, oh, the marketing, people are looking to hire this sort of developer, and people are looking to hire these sort of developers, and you make more money as this sort of developer. You know what? That If you're learning a coding language, none of that matters. You have so far to go to get to that level yeah. where you can <laughs> just walk into place and get a job as, as a developer. You find the language that you enjoy doing, and then see where that takes you. Yeah, don't worry yeah. about electrical engineering or mechanical engineering. You need to pass algebra, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're going to learn PHP, you're ultimately going to learn some JavaScript at some point. I mean, it, uh, it's really meant for the web. Any language yeah. you're going to learn JavaScript. I will say, yeah. if you are interested in PHP, there's a fantastic post out there called PHP the Right Way. Start there read that article it's it's a little older now i, I should probably go back through and read it i have it's dated it, it is dated. It it very dated it, 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 that was one of the typos in this month's uh, php architect magazine that i had written down to talk about in the in the show not necessarily about the typo but there was a reference to php the right way in an article mm-hmm. and there's supposed to be a, a superscript tm for trademark but it was just mm-hmm. the right way tm <laughs> Well, that's better than a square with a question mark inside it. Maybe we need to go through and and do a revision of it. I I just finished the Pragmatic Programmer, and that was that was a twenty year old book. That this was the twentieth anniversary of it, and the authors basically rewrote. They said like eighty percent of the book because so much of it didn't apply anymore. Um, It was an interesting read. I I I, I was an audio book to be frank with you i listened to it but it was an interesting thing to listen to again and catch up on i can see how had i read the book 20 years ago how fantastically impactful it would have been um now today like a lot of the points that they talked about i'm like yeah everybody talks about that in every conference you go to that that's not really that earth shattering but i can see I, I do know like a lot of the, a lot of those subjects weren't that big of a discussion point uh, back in the day. Well, I also hey, want to say th- thank you so much for the, uh, the the question. Yeah, it's kind of fun taking live questions. Right? Yeah, we should do it more often. I think people are listening. Holy crap! People are <laughs> it's oh, it's no. our it's our high video quality production. <laughs> there you go. That's that's what's bringing people in. Huh? So I feel like we're running long though. Sorry, John. That's fine. We're, we're, I'm sure we'll be wrapping up soon. <laughs> we can't talk that much longer, can we? As somebody in control of wrapping it up, usually the one starting it, I'm sure yeah. <laughs> we'll be there soon. Uh, 
I had a, a nice open source PR accepted this week or last I week. I saw what? that. That's I was gonna I was gonna warn people at the beginning of the podcast, but I forgot. If you're running Carbon, you're now running official John Condon code. Sort of. Uh, it's it's in the production branch. I don't think it's been released yet. Uh, it's not real code either. It's just a test. Isn't it just a test? It's meant for your tests. So yeah, uh, no, but it's real so, code that applies to tests. Right. So <laughs> so Tim Lytle made a comment in a Slack channel saying. Uh, Carbon should have this, and I'm like, okay, let me go, let me go write that real quick. And all, that. all it is is have a ton of tests that use Carbon, and you use Carbon uh, call it the static call to set time or set time now, and basically you're you're setting a a time that Carbon will give back to your code anywhere it's at, so that you can test your code with a known time. It's very very useful. The problem can you, is, can you explain can you explain a, a use case for that just just to help me out? Uh, so I have a lot of queries that are based on time and I want to make sure that there is a known time in there that it got back from carbon. So in my, in my PHP unit test, I will say carbon, uh, set time now or whatever that function is and give it a, a time string or a date like 2020-09-24 at 10, 10 AM. And then I can run my, my test and then the code that says carbon now or time equals new carbon it's going to get that date not the current time mm. so it is a feature of carbon already the problem is your code has to unset that otherwise you could screw up future tests gotcha, gotcha. so you do a uh, carbon set time now to some fake date run all your tests and then carbon set time now with no parameter or null and it undoes it, basically. So Tim said, boy, it'd be nice to have a test with now. Or, mm-hmm. Damn it, I can't even remember what it's called now. But basically, you send it a closure, and then... That's now. Yeah. You send it a closure, it sets the fake time, runs your code, and then unsets it for you. It's a really mm-hmm. stupid cool. addition to the, the code, but the funny thing is, when I started writing it, I noticed Carbon already had a very similar function, but mm. only for their tests. It wasn't part of the code base itself. Oh, interesting. So, so they were already doing it. It just wasn't accessible. Oh, interesting. Can I, can I give you one criticism, though? Or, or no. one question, I guess. Sure. First, first thing, fantastic. So happy you did this. I, I, I love it when we get an opportunity to, to contribute to open source projects. It's so rare. Why didn't you wait another week? Yeah, you why... Been- it you could have waited until today. Because it, it, it could have been your first submission into Hacktoberfest. Hacktoberfest. That's right. Hacktoberfest is live today. Because you're assuming I'm going to have, what, four more PRs Three more. open in you the next month? Four total is all you, you need. You only you, need four more now. Now you need five. You would have had one. You are assuming I'm going to submit any more over the next month. Heartbreaking. Heart you as a, as a voice for the open source community, I expect better of you. Well, you expect wrong. So it is set <laughs> test set test now, and my new addition is with test now. With test now, yeah. You you set you send it a a bogus date you want to use in your test, a callback to run your test, and you're done. Thank you, Tim, for the suggestion. And it was it was a. a a lengthy and civil discussion on GitHub about your PR. What? I was surprised to see civility. Yeah, they, they did a good job of great suggestions, feedback. Uh, when I first read it, I thought they were going to say, nope, don't want it. <laughs> yeah, your help's not accepted. Yeah, but through a little back and forth, I got to improve the code that was written and understand more of how carbon works as well through this. And that was it. I still, I think they were a little bit wrong in one of the changes I made. Uh, I'm only setting the, the fake on whatever instance you call it on. So if you call carbon uh, with test now, it's only going to set the fake on carbon. So if your actual code uses carbon immutable, it's not going to work. So I I think they were wrong in me in having me change that. So I may submit another PR to say, hey, I really think we need both carbon and carbon immutable. So I can send the closure in on carbon, but my all my code may use either carbon 
and or carbon immutable, and I want it to work as is. Uh, ben, just to, just go ahead and answer your question. You, you asked about the lockdown and working from home and all. It really hasn't impacted any of us. We were all remote developers anyway, so it's uh, even John and I, our entire company is remote. It has impacted some of our clients who have gone remote and have reached out to us for some just uh, some suggestions. But all three of us have always been remote. This is this has not changed one bit at all for for any of us. I think it's going to have a huge impact on society, especially people that have been able to work from home now because of this, and companies mm-hmm. realizing yeah, people aren't going that. back. Well, and I think companies well, that were forced kids to, are. Uh. yeah, the companies that were forced to, to allow remote work, who who are who are afraid to make that jump, have you know maybe have seen the benefits of it and have worked through some of the challenges of it and have come up with good work patterns. This is not for everybody. It, it just isn't, and there are going to be situations where this doesn't work. But a lot more people could be re- working remote. And it's not just a coding thing. My wife works remote and. Nothing she does is coding. It, it's all medical stuff. Um, and she's been remote for years. It's not because of COVID. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see See where it goes. I, I, I think I think it has its place. I think its place has been a much larger chunk than it has been utilized. Our, one of our clients is a perfect example. There, there was no reason why their staff couldn't have been remote, and we'd had that conversation a couple times with them. It was, it was just kind of the old way of doing things. And now that they've been forced into it, I'd be very surprised to see them go back to the traditional work that they have today. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't even surprise me to see that they reduce their physical office space that they're paying for, which they had just expanded before COVID. Yeah. And, and one of the things I think is going to be important to see change is how this impacts mental health, because I know a lot of people are getting cabin fever pretty severely now. And oh god, me sure. Yeah, uh, and, and there's just not much you can do about it at this point. Uh, but you know, online therapy is a big thing right now. Online medical, you know, prescription stuff. Doctors. It's we're going to see a sort of overall societal shift in in how this stuff gets handled and and how retail space ends up being used. Because I can tell you, the lot of empty stores in my. Uh, in my city, mm-hmm. San Diego probably right. not so much, but uh, yeah, Colorado Springs. Nope. We already had too much real estate. M- more so, San Diego. We're, we're more locked down, but yeah. Anyways, I think that's a good point, good spot to wrap things up. I appreciate we appreciate the the questions. Live, we always like questions. questions. Yeah. Again, if you're listening to the audio podcast, another reason to tune tune in to our live. After this, we're going to chat for a little while. We'll, we'll, you guys won't hear any of that. You hear the music in the background? That's because we're working our way out. This show's over. We're done. That's episode 207 in the books. We want to thank our Patreons, as always. Appreciate it. Hope you like your swag. Buttery, I'm really excited. You let us know when you get yours, man. I want to see you get your you OG bastard, you. Thank you for your support. You don't have to support us, by the way, to, to listen to the show. As oddly as that makes them, we do appreciate it. <laughs> um, that's it. 207. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. ugly. Thanks for listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. If you would like to support PHP Ugly, check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash phpugly. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in the PHP Ugly Discord channel. Show notes and RSS feed can be found at phpugly.com. To catch the live stream, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash phpugly. You can also subscribe to the edited podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catcher of choice. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. And finally, thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at diegodev.com. Until next week, keep it ugly.